This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture. And welcome to the City of God podcast, where we are weekly talking about today's biggest cultural issues all through the lens of God's infallible word. I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza. And today uh, we uh, have a great episode, an interview that we did back in the fall of 2023 at the Pray Vote Stand Conference in Washington, D.C. And it's an interview with my good friend and colleague, Dr. Jerry Newcomb. Dr. Jerry Newcomb is the executive director of one of our ministry divisions, the Providence He's also a senior producer for Coral Ridge Ministries, and he is a uh, scholar, a historian, a walking encyclopedia. And we had the opportunity to sit down very briefly uh, to talk about uh, American history uh, from the perspective of the Judeo-Christian worldview. It's a big debate in many circles today. Uh, Were we founded as a Christian nation? And what exactly does that mean uh, to describe America as a Christian nation? And there's no nobody better uh, to have that conversation with, to really unpack what the founders were inspired by, influenced by, informed by when they were uh, crafting this uh, the founding documents, when they were establishing this constitutional republic. And so here is our interview uh, from the Pray Vote Stand Conference in Washington, D.C., our interview with Dr. Jerry Newcomb. Dr. Jerry Newcomb, thank you so much for joining me on the City of God podcast. My privilege. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we're uh, recording uh, in Washington, D.C. at the Pray Vote Stand Conference, uh, sponsored by Family Research Council. You've been to this conference before. It used to be called Va- uh, Values Voters Values Summit. Voters Summit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your experience so far. Oh, it, this is a terrific conference. In fact, I got to tell you something. D. James Kennedy in the 1990s began the Reclaiming America for Christ conferences. And eventually after maybe seven or eight or those, they, they eventually pulled the plug. But Tony Perkins was one of the speakers, Tony Perkins, president of Family Research Council. And I asked him one time in one of the interviews we've done through the years sure. for, for the ministry, D. James Kennedy Ministries. I said, Tony, is there any link between the Reclaiming America for Christ conferences that D. James Kennedy founded and started and did, uh, and this annual summit you guys are doing, and he said, absolutely. It 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 kind of grows out That's of that's amazing. You know, out of that that seed that was planted at Coral Ridge by Dr. Kennedy. (laughs) Jerry, uh, you're not only a producer for the ministry, but you're the executive director of the Providence Forum. Tell our audience a little bit about the Providence Forum, why it exists, and why you're so hopeful about what uh, the future holds for the ministry. Sure. Well, Providence Forum was founded by Dr. Peter Loback, and about 15 to 20 years ago, He and I co-wrote a big, thick book produced by, published by Providence Forum called George Washington's Sacred Fire, which documents beyond a reasonable doubt that George Washington was a devout 18th century Anglican. Dr. Loback now as president of Westminster Theological Seminary, where you earned your doctorate recently. Congratulations. Thank you, Dr. Rob. And so anyway, he realized with his presidency of Westminster Theological Seminary, there's so many commitments his this organization he had founded providence forum to educate people about america's true history our judeo-christian roots he donated it to the ministry the ministry said well we can accept it but we gotta have somebody within the ministry to help run it and since i'm a 
an aficionado of American history, I was the logical choice. And I feel like a kid in a candy shop, you know, dealing with America's history and doing interviews, podcasts, columns, documentaries, snippets of the documentaries, et cetera. Providence Forum website, people can go to... ProvidenceForum.org. ProvidenceForum.org. Now, in the name Providence Forum, um, there was a specific reason that name was chosen. Uh, you go back to the founders and their their understanding of divine providence. Tell our audience a little bit about why the doctrine of divine providence is uh, really helped inform the name of the Providence Forum, but why that doctrine was so informative and so important to our founders. That's an excellent question. In fact, one of our state capitals was named Providence, and that name came when he founded it, Roger Williams in 1640s Rhode Island, he felt that God providentially helped him to go out in the wilderness because his choice was was stark. You need to go back to England. You know, you can't stay here in, in Boston anymore. But he wanted to stay in the New World. So he providentially made it to Providence, Rhode Island. Providence is an old-fashioned word that simply means God, but it means God who provides for us. In other words, it's the God of the Bible, the God who answers prayers. George Washington mentioned God at least a hundred times in his writings, uh, the you know public writings or private writings. He mentions the word providence, which is again another f- word for God, two hundred and seventy times. So the idea of providence is the God of the scriptures who sees us, who hears us, who provides for us, who answers prayer, who is sovereign. And so, you know, some people have said, well, why if the founding fathers, you know, were so Christian, why didn't they use more of our modern Christian terms, you know, that we use and why, well, so what? George Washington, in fact, sometimes used fancy words to to reference God, and that grew out of his reverence for God. So, you know, the the almighty, the the great governor of the universe and so forth. Dr. Peter Lomback points out that a lot of the evangelicals of that day, you know, 250 years ago or so, used those same kinds of terms. And he said, oh, and look at this one atheist book by the one atheist of the founding fathers who later lost his faith and became an atheist, Thomas Paine, in his book, 1793, The Age of Reason, where he's against God, against the Bible, against Jesus. And uh, he basically uses the words God and Lord, as opposed to, you know, as opposed to George Washington with his Baroque approach to reverence God and call him all kinds of lofty names. I love that. And I love that uh, the founders um understanding and uh, the reliance on God's divine providence is what has informed the the name of this ministry, Providence Forum, because that's what we're trying to do at Providence Forum. We're trying to educate Americans everywhere about God's providential hand on the founding of this nation. And so let's talk about the founding of this nation. Sure. Um, A lot of people uh, will criticize individuals like ourselves uh, who talk about America as a Christian nation. When we call America a Christian nation, at least at at its founding, a Christian nation. Um, What do we mean by that? Uh, Because I think a lot of people hear that and go, are you saying that every founder was an evangelical Christian? What do we not mean by that? And But what are we trying to say? Well, basically what we're saying is that the Bible helped shape and create the major institutions of the United States. Uh, the, the founding documents of America 
uh, and they're all written down and, and anybody can access them online. Go to Yale University's Avalon Project, and there you have all the key documents, beginning with the Mayflower Compact. Well, even earlier than that, that's 1620, 1607, when Jamestown was settled, they talk about the, they did this for the Christian faith, to spread the Christian faith. Uh, one of the first things they did was they planted a cross at Cape Henry. I'm uh, talking again about the Jamestown settlement. One of the things they said there was every plantation which our Heavenly Father has not planted shall be uprooted. It's something to that effect. And that was because there were a lot of unsuccessful uh, attempts in creating Virginia, but Jamestown was successful. The pilgrims jumping ahead, they wanted to worship Jesus and the purity of the gospel. When they saw the success, the durability of the Jamestown settlement, they said, well, maybe we can get permission to go to the northern parts of Virginia and worship Jesus in the purity of the, uh, the gospel. They get blown off course. Some of the men that were there with them who were sympathetic to the overall goal of starting a Bible commonwealth in the new world realized, wow, the King James patent for permission for this colony is no longer in effect because we're blown off course 250 miles away from the northern parts of Virginia. So what the Pilgrim Fathers did before one foot was, was placed on the new soil, they wrote up a document, an agreement for self-government. It's called the Mayflower Compact. November 11th, 1620 begins in the name of God, amen. D. James Kennedy liked to point out, hey, how did America begin? In the name of God, amen. And they talked about how having undertaken a voyage for the glory of God and the advancement That's of the Christian kingdom. faith. Yep. And they created a civil body politic and they had all the men on board sign that document. That became the first step in the creation ultimately of the two key founding documents of America, the Declaration of Independence, 1776. So about 150 years later, and then the Constitution 1787, which was signed in the year of our Lord, yeah. 1787. But this is important to realize though, because and in between the Mayflower Compact and the Declaration and the Constitution, were about at least a hundred, maybe even more, charters, frames of government. Many of these things, again, are available online at Avalon Project of Yale University. I mentioned that because yeah, read the documents for yourself and you see, wow, the Christian faith is really important. So let's talk about the document, the Declaration of Independence. Sure. You've done extensive research and uh, you've written about the Declaration of Independence. That document alone, speak to us about that document and how it shows emphatically uh, the founders' reliance on God, divine providence, and uh, the Christian faith as being foundational to uh, the creation of this constitutional republic. The Declaration of Independence explains why we exist as a country. The Constitution, by the way, explains how is the government going to work, but that right. was produced 11 years later. Sure. The Declaration of Independence, in explaining the, the, the reason we exist as a nation, you can sum it up this way. It's, it's the consent of the governed under God. It said that God is the source of our rights. All men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, the, the right to life, of course, is, is much at risk today, you know, with the abortion ethic and so forth. But the founders have basically said that what we have comes from the hand of God. Governments must acknowledge that or they become illegitimate. 
whoa, I mean, that's a revolutionary document. You know, in its day, it was revolutionary. It's revolutionary even today. We'll be celebrating the 250th anniversary of that. And it also mentions that they had a firm reliance on divine providence and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And actually, those words were echoing words from a Christian Presbyterian elders produced document a year before the Mecklenburg Declaration of 1775, a bunch of Presbyterian elders in North Carolina, and they sent that forward to Philadelphia, and and uh, I think it's uh, so important. Jefferson, you know, incorporated those ideas and so forth. I think it's so important what we what we're talking about because when we understand the the foundations of American liberty being produced from a Judeo-Christian worldview, um, it really does help inform, particularly the next generation that's getting uh, swept away by uh, the the ideologies of cultural Marxism, the ideologies of the 1619 Project that want to uh, erase history and rewrite history and rewrite our history books. And I think it helps to show that the, the, the last thing that the founders were thinking about was setting up a secular government or a secular society. Um, and, but it, I think it's fair to say that um, although deism was prevalent in the 18th century, that it wasn't even a deistic worldview uh, that was the uh, predominant worldview that was instrumental in the founding of our country as well. They believed in a God that was active in the affairs of, of humanity, providence. Uh, providence that was active in the founding of this country. And I, I think that's so helpful when we're having conversations concerning America's founding and what we mean by a Christian nation. Now, uh, could I add to that? Absolutely. Okay. A, a, a major study that was done in the 1980s isolated the key documents and, and sources that the founding fathers were quoting and citing in their, their writings. And so this would be about maybe 1750 to around 1800, about that. Heinemann yeah. and Lutz were the names of the two, two people. By the way, uh, I had the privilege for the ministry to interview Donald Lutz about 15 years ago. He was one of the two who did this study and he was so important. He wrote a great book called the origins of the American constitutionalism and the essence of his book showed, well, the biblical concept of covenant gave rise to the American covenant covenants and ultimately the American constitution. But uh, so anyway, so these two science, social scientists, they studied all these documents and they said, okay, four times more than any other author or source, the founders quoted the Bible four times. And then of the human authors they quoted, they were citing Christian writers. Baron Montesquieu, uh, also in, in this order, by the way, Sir William Blackstone, and then John Locke. And uh, John Locke wrote a book called The Reasonableness of Christianity. You're the senior pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. God bless you. I once attended a, a Sunday school class at Coral Ridge uh, taught by a man who earned his PhD at Yale University, and he was writing about John Locke by reading John Locke's book written in the, I don't know, 1690s or so, The Reasonableness of Christianity. Dr. Greg Forster became born again and then later would go on to, That's amazing. to teach a Sunday school class or two at Coral Ridge. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's amazing. But the, the point is, these Christian sources were extremely important. And it wasn't just... It was a Christian worldview. It's, you know, all men having power ought to be distrusted. 
That's a quote from James Madison, key architect of the Constitution. It reflects a biblical worldview. All men for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the, the link between the Bible and our key documents is, is just amazing. If you're willing to take the time and look into it. And Dr. Daniel Dreisbach, by the way, uh, of American University has written a lot about that. And, and uh, you know, he shows, he, for example, there's a famous painting of the Constitutional Convention. You've seen it many times. I didn't realize, as much as I've studied, I didn't realize that to the left in the bottom, okay, if you look at the painting in the bottom right-hand corner, the bottom right-hand corner, there's a large open Bible. And it's like, wow, how fitting, yeah. Ben Franklin. Not the most religious, religious of the or, or the founding fathers. By the least up. religious, but yeah, it, and s starts quoting scripture. It's amazing. Hey, you know, we need to pray because if the Lord does not build a house, you know, those who labor yeah. labor in vain. And a variation of his request was adopted. Yeah. The founding fathers met in a prayer service soon after and prayed together. It's undeniable that the Christian worldview and the Bible had the most and the greatest impact on the founding of our nation. Now, one of the one of the controversies we're dealing with now in the 21st century, and one of the attacks we get uh, from the secular left uh, concerning uh, us, you know, calling America a Christian nation, is they go, yeah, but but how about slavery? How about the systemic racism that existed in the founding of America? So how can you, on the one hand, call America a Christian nation, and then on the other hand, uh, know uh, that our founders owned slaves and uh, didn't eradicate slavery at the founding of our constitution. How do we reconcile those two things, particularly in a cultural moment where Excellent. they're using that against individuals like ourselves and our ministry that want to promote America as a Christian nation? Well, as you know, as part of the Providence Forum, we have made a whole series of films called the foundation of American liberty. About 30 different guests, including Dennis Prager and my good friend, Bill Federer, <laughs> and uh, Alveda King and, and Eric Metaxas and Osgenis. But one of the interviews it was with Dr. Walter Williams. Now the late Walter Williams, longtime professor at George Mason University and African-American scholar, tremendous. And I asked him about slavery and the American founding. He said, listen, Slavery has been mankind's fair from the beginning of Western, you know, of, of written history. It's, it's been there everywhere, everywhere slavery. And he, in fact, it still exists in some places. But he said what was unique about the Western world was how they spent so many considerable resources to uproot slavery, to get rid of it. Some of the founding fathers even wanted to, to, uh, to uproot slavery right then and there in Philadelphia in the, you know, in 1776 with the declaration. Uh, in fact, there's a whole section in the declaration that was cut out where it, it, it denounced King George III for uh, practicing this evil thing with slavery and the slave trade and all these things. And so anyway, uh, they struck that out because they wanted to have a united front and they knew that Georgia and South Carolina wouldn't go on board and, and be unanimous in, in getting this, this freedom. So, uh, but, but Dr. Williams goes on to say that uh, the idea of Africans even being enslaved is a relatively new thing in terms of world history. So by the time you get to the United States being founded, slavery is practiced all over the place. So what's unique about America is that the, the founding documents said, declaration, that all men are created equal 
when jumping forward to Abraham Lincoln, when he said his famous speech, the Gettysburg Address, four score and seven years ago, do the math, 1863 going back, you're talking about 1776, when yep. it said all men are created equal. Yeah. And so he's basically getting back to that. So it was an inherent contradiction, no question about it. It was not aberrational for the time. And thankfully, because of the Christian conscience of people like men like William Wilberforce, who's in a league of his own, or he's from Britain, but he helped end the slave trade and he ended up ending slavery in the British Empire once and for all. And that helped inspire the abolitionist movement in America, which, which you know, slavery was ended, you know, by the end of the Civil War. And of course, we had all the bloody, the Civil War, but as Abraham Lincoln said, you know, maybe this war is God's punishment for us for all those 250 years or so of unrequited toil. You know, every lash that was drawing blood, now though that blood is being drawn in the swords and in the... I think that's such an important point you make, uh, you know, that we, we don't turn a blind eye to um, our, our nation's history with slavery and, and we, we call it out for what it is. Yeah. But it's so important that we understand that our founders established a government and wrote the founding documents yes. that actually provided yes. uh, the abolition of slavery that's that exactly led to the right. abolition of slavery that's, in America. That is exactly right. And it's so important. They even did something, and this is prior, this is fascinating. In 1787, when they wrote the constitution, one of the stipulations they had was that within 20 years of this going into effect, there will be no more slave trade. That's not the words they use, but the, the, the wording is that there should be no more importation of this. Now, by the time that went into effect in 1808, the fact of the matter is there were so many, you know, African-Americans here that the slavery un unfortunately continued and the cotton gin then increased the demand for that and so forth. But it's very important to realize we shouldn't be judged by the badness. In fact, this is a point that <laughs> Dennis Prager made in our foundation film series of ProvidenceForum.org, is that, you know, badness in human history is the norm. What's exceptional, what's different about America is its goodness. And he said, unfortunately, there's not a kid in an American school that's learning that today. Yep, so absolutely. That's why, that's why, that's why Providence Forum exists. Exactly, that's why we're just trying to, trying to bang the drum and get the word out there, you know, and. And Rabbi Lappin, for example, says in, in our program uh, that he says, listen, he says, some people will say, well, Thomas Jefferson should be canceled because Thomas Jefferson, even though he, he said all men are created equal, he personally owned slaves. Yeah, he, you know, it was inherited and, and all that stuff. By the time he died, he was so heavily in debt that he could not free his slaves, which George Washington did. When George Washington died, he freed his slaves. Certainly did. Jefferson could not. And so anyway, so some people want to cancel him. They've, they've already removed the statue of Thomas Jefferson in the City Hall of New York City a couple of years ago because he was a slaveholder. Well, here's what Rabbi Lappin says. He says, how can you have a situation of justice where people are going to be judged by criterion that comes later? So in other words, like, what, what if somebody said, okay, Rob, you're under arrest. What for? Well, for a law that's going to be passed 150 years from now. <laughs> I mean, it's, yep. it's, that may seem obscure, you know, uh, uh, you know, ridiculous, absurd. But the fact of the matter is 
uh, people should be judged in the context of their times. Jefferson helped create the framework by which slavery would day be uprooted, and it was. And there's nobody out there now saying we need slavery, you know, to occur. And of course, slavery is occurring, but people on the left have a blind eye to it. I mean, it was Christians for the most part who were banging the drum about sound of freedom and other pro, uh, you know, freedom, anti-slavery, uh, you know, efforts in our time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for your time on the, uh, on the city of God podcast. Let's uh, remind our people, providenceforum.org. They can find resources, books, blog posts, uh, your podcast yeah. uh, uh, with incredible guests. And uh, just so grateful that Providence Forum exists. Um, I really believe that Prov- God is going to use Providence Forum to help reclaim civics in America wow. and to really uh, recapture the hearts and the minds of the next generation to really get back to the true story of America's founding. Wow. And uh, it, it really is the Judeo-Christian worldview that made America great 250 years ago. And I think if we're going to see revival and reformation in this nation again, it's going to be through the efforts of ministries like Providence Forum uh, going into the homes and the schools and the Sunday school classes across our nation. And I, I've got to say thank you, Rob, to you. You understand the biblical worldview and why it matters and how the Judeo-Christian views, the biblical principles are what are the key founding elements. You chose to study under Dr. Peter Loback, the founder of Providence Forum, the founding president, you know, for which I serve as executive director. But, but that's tremendous. You studied under him to essentially say, let's take these founding principles and proclaim them to the next generation. So thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate you. Definitely. God bless you. Really hope you enjoyed our interview with Dr. Jerry Newcomb today on the City of God podcast. If you were informed, encouraged, inspired by today's conversation, we pray that you would pass it along to family and friends, introduce them to this podcast. We hope to see you back here next week on the City of God. The City of God podcast is produced by Coral Ridge Ministries and made in partnership with the Institute for Faith and Culture. Visit us at cityofgodpodcast.com to access all of our previous episodes. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or anywhere you get podcasts. A full video version of this podcast is available on YouTube. This is the City of God podcast where Christ meets culture.